This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace with this Naked Mind podcast and I'm here with Pyle. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. So this will be simple. Why don't you just take us back to the beginning and talk about where your journey with alcohol began for you? Absolutely. So my first drink um, was taken somewhere between like late high school to my early college days. And what became my general opinion of alcohol was formed there in those first sips early on. Um, That was that it was the source of fun. It was the only source of fun. And it was a confidence builder. And I was a shy girl um, coming into a big city from a small town in college. And um, I never dated a lot in high school. And so when I got to college, I was looking for something to give me a boost of confidence and alcohol was it. It was exactly that. Um, And it kind of quickly became a dependency. Uh, I knew, I recognized that I drank differently than those around me. I recognized my drinking was problematic because early on there was over drinking and there was blackouts. There was even some drinking alone, Um, but heavy binging was normal. And it it continues to be in in college, in Greek life. Um, You know, I was surrounded by people who were drinking what seemed to be the same as me. And so when we joked about blackouts and we joked about things like that, it was so light. I always seemed to be around people who didn't have much of a choice but to kind of take care of me. And so even though looking back, I think I was in several dangerous, harmful situations, uh, I, I was okay and I floated by. I um, My academics were never affected. Um, it never affected my ability to succeed. Four years I had an internship, um, I was working on my teaching certification. I graduated with a GPA that I was proud of. And I continued on to then get my first teaching job right out of college. Um, So the drinking became so normal. And again, I was surrounded by people who were drinking the same. So so it was all fine. After college, I um, got a teaching job in my hometown. And so I moved home. with my parents actually. And so because of that situation, I didn't meet the regular responsibilities. I think that you do at this phase of adulthood. My parents were so kind to take me in. I didn't pay rent and they kind of took care of everything so that I could focus on my job. 
but then the weekends would hit and my drinking would be just the same. So in a moment where I thought that I could like learn to adult and things would level out, that didn't quite happen. Um, weekends were full of binge drinking and partying with my friends. And alcohol continued to be accepted and glorified and celebrated. Um, so there was a drinking problem there, but it never raised a red flag. And, you know, at this time too, I was looking to date and I wanted to find a partner and I made dating a lot harder for myself. And I can see that now. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, So I can see that I wasn't a very good friend and um, I, it was difficult to find a life partner when I was behaving the way that I was, um, drinking the way that I was. It, it, there were there were no limitations either. Uh, family functions, weddings, like I was always the one that was over drinking and it was just kind of laughed off. Um, and that's to no blame of my family members, but they just always, there was always support around me to tell me, hey, don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, it's not that bad. Uh, everybody was drinking last night. So I continue to sort of float by. Um, my, I have two sisters. One of my sisters was oftentimes a voice of reason, like the morning after she would kind of look at me and say, hey, we need to talk, um, you know, and those conversations were always very dreaded. You never want to own up and face the blackout behavior that occurred the night before, um, but she was the one to kind of push me to face some of that. And e there is even one point where um, I drove under the influence and that was a very harmful decision. And she knew about it and she was extremely upset with me. Uh, you know, to this day, I look back at quite a few reckless decisions that I made. And I think that someone must have been looking out for me up above because I could have, my life could have ended up a lot differently. And that's a very scary thought, um, but you know, it didn't. And so later in my twenties, I did end up meeting my husband, but this was on the basis of alcohol. We met at a bar and we dated long distance. I was in Pennsylvania and he was in Texas at the time. And so our visits were very celebratory. They were always full of bottomless mimosas and brunches and day drinking. And, uh, you know, we were, our, our relationship was a, a lot about alcohol, but it never seemed odd. It was just all fun. And this, it, we dated for a couple of years that led to marriage and I moved to Texas. So the first year of marriage was very stressful. I was teaching in a school that uh, was out of my comfort zone and it was a challenging year, but alcohol was always present. Alcohol was there for the celebrations. Alcohol was also there for the stressful moments. Um, it was just always there. We ended up um, finding a really great group of friends and that group of friends also, they were all sort of heavy drinkers. Um, so my drinking, once again, in this phase never raised a red flag. And in our friend group, we were the first later on, like a few years down the, the road to become parents as well. And it's interesting because we almost prided ourselves on how we could balance 
partying with parenthood like we were the cool parents that could have the baby but around but we could still be drinking and that was it was seen as a positive thing again we all laughed it off I just kept thinking through these different phases that at, cer at a certain point I was going to get it together you know um I, my first job, I was going to get it together. I got married. I, I was going to get it together. I was going to learn my limit. I was going to stop blacking out. I became pregnant. Of course, I didn't drink through the pregnancy and I knew my limitations enough for that. But right after, you know, when I was able to reintroduce alcohol into my life, I thought, okay, now I'm a mom. Like now I'm going to kind of be chill and, and get it together and not black out. And then that first blackout happened. And I was like, my God, what is going on? So at this point, I was starting to question things more. And as I got older, it just became a little harder to brush off that there was blackouts happening. And I couldn't remember conversations. I couldn't remember, um, putting my child to bed. And uh, I couldn't laugh it off anymore. Others around me did because sometimes friends are just there to support. And again, that's to no blame of them, but I sat with it. And I think that's sometimes what alcohol does to us is that when there is problematic relationships with alcohol, you sit with it and the blackout passes, but that feeling of guilt and shame does not go away. And it over time has a, an enormous impact on your, the way that you view yourself. Um, it has an enormous impact on your confidence and your ability to see yourself authentically. And so that takes a toll and it's eventually going to erupt. And it did for me later, later on. Um, there were other signs of my problematic behavior too. It wasn't all social. My husband was traveling a lot. And uh, whenever he left, it was my excuse to say, well, I'm single momming. I deserve wine. Um, I have had to take on so much. So I absolutely have to survive motherhood right now by putting my son down to sleep and I'm going to start drinking because that's what I deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, I think this is something too that, that you've touched on, like mommy wine culture, how alcohol is marketed to different demographics. And one of the biggest ones being young moms trying to survive parenthood. Um, I think back to all of these moments and I think how unsafe that was. That's what scares me to the, and, and it continues to, that in the middle of the night, if my son needed me and I was passed out and I couldn't attend to him, like what if I had to drive him somewhere and I couldn't? And that's a thought that I still sit with. Um, I was never thinking even one step past that first sip. And to me, it's like I, I knew I, I would take the sip and I would know that I'm going down a path of not having a limit and I'm going to continue on and I have to work tomorrow. And, I'm, you know, it's just me and Carter, my son at, at home. Um, but that didn't stop me. Like nothing stopped me from continuing on. 
but more often when I was waking up and trying to piece together my night, I was taking a magnifying glass to my drinking and, um, it was really affecting the way that I viewed myself as a mom. Um, I did not fit the stereotype of an alcoholic. There were moments where I wanted to go and attend an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I wanted to get help and something would always stop me. Like I imagined myself walking into a church basement of an Alcoholics Mm -hmm. Anonymous meeting and, and it didn't feel right. And so after the feeling of the horrible feeling of the hangover, the shame and guilt of the blackout would pass, um, I kind of get over it. So when the physical feeling lifted, sometimes the emotional feeling would lift as well. And so that would lead me right back to the bottle. And I loved, I loved alcohol. I loved the way that it made me feel in the moment. I hated it after, but during, I absolutely loved it. And I wished so many times to just let it stop having a hold on me. Like I envied those around me that could manage their alcohol, like have two glasses of wine over the course of an evening event, a party, safely drive home. And I thought, how do they do it? Because I never could learn my limit. And when you struggle with addiction, you, that's just it you can't manage it. You can't say, oh, I'm going to have three drinks and I'm going to stop. I'm going to make my husband stop me. You're only allowed to let me have three drinks. You know, it doesn't work that way. And I would always manipulate, even in those moments, I would manipulate a way to have more. Um, I would be the one to commit to driving us home at the end of the night. And then midway through, I'd get really cranky and say, well, you know, I want to keep going. And so somehow I would manage to be the one that could keep drinking. Um, And I would, like I said, I'd only live with this guilt and shame, the, the after effects until the next opportunity to drink. And I felt like a very dull person. I couldn't pinpoint anything that I enjoyed as much as I enjoyed alcohol. I couldn't think of hobbies. I'm so committed to my job as a teacher. I I absolutely love it. But oftentimes I felt like I was living a dual life. As a teacher, I'm a role model. And I would think like, what if the people at work knew how I drank? Like, what if my students ever knew how I drank and I didn't fit the stereotype of somebody who heavily drinks? So my second son was born in late March of 2020. Um, That's right as we were in lockdown. And uh, that led into a spring and summer that I, none of us (laughs) expected, of course. Um, But my postpartum with him was supposed to look different. I was hoping that, you know, I was going to have time to bond with him and that we were, that we were going to have like a really peaceful postpartum, you know, experience. But with the pandemic hitting, there was isolation. We were all at home. Um, and right as, as I could start drinking again, alcohol became the main character. It was, but for my husband and I, it was like the thing to do every evening. Um, also through the pandemic, I think many people leaned heavily on alcohol. And so I was no different. And um, though it was unhealthy, I thought it was just always, once again, it was the thing that brought fun and enjoyment. And it, 
that was usually what it was, but now it was like escaping my life because I couldn't go anywhere. And so just to escape my current reality, we were drinking heavily. Um, and we were also, our relationship was struggling at the time. I think that two children will do that. <laughs> two children in a pandemic will do that. And so we were struggling to connect. And um, I was feeling really, really low. My my second had not been able to like be around my family at all. And so all this was taking an emotional toll and I felt signs of postpartum depression. So my sisters and my husband really encouraged me to talk to a therapist. So I made a virtual appointment and this was in August of 2020, like right as I was going back to school for one of the most challenging school years. Um, and so I wasn't prepared for that and I was feeling really overwhelmed. So I spoke with the therapist and in our conversation, I was mainly wanting to speak to her about how my husband and I were at odds and we were not being um, able to connect the, the way that we once did. And so one thing led to the other as I was speaking with her and I said, you know, the only thing we have in common is that we drink. That's the only thing. We don't have anything else in common. So she said, okay, let's hit the pause button and talk to me a little bit about, you know, the drinking and, and why you say that. So she started to dig. Once she started to dig, I, um, you know, I, I was truthful and I, I said that, you know, well, we drink a lot. We drink almost every night. And she's, she only had to say one line to me. She said, well, that doesn't sound safe when you have two small children at home. Mm. And that was it. That that was my moment. Um, it made me pause and reevaluate everything. Um, the next day, I gave up alcohol. August twenty fourth. Wow. I never looked back after that because what I knew to be true was confirmed by a stranger right? It was my first conversation with her. Um, it was confirmed by her. And when she said it flat out that the safety of my children was in question due to my behavior, that was it. There was no looking back. Um, after that, you know, the beginning months um, were tough because I was just making such a huge change, but that's really when your podcast and the literature that you've put out and your books came um, into my life. Uh, that is when I started to realize that I'm not alone. Um, and really such a game changer was learning the science behind what alcohol does to our brains, to our bodies. I pride myself on being a pretty healthy person. And I couldn't believe that for so many years I was poisoning my body. Um, I would count calories endlessly because I was watching my weight through pregnancies, but alcohol was never something that I questioned. And the toxic um, substance that I was putting through my body, that was something I didn't question. And so I listened to your podcast every morning and every afternoon on my drive to work and on the drive home. Um, I listened to stories that resonated with me. It was an entire education. And so 
that it, it was really, really just something that kept me on track. I knew that I did not want alcohol in my life. And every passing day, I was feeling the benefits. I was feeling the intrinsic and the external benefits. I was really reaping all of that. Um, but it was in listening to your podcast that truly I was able to continuously have it on my mind. I think then that that's also a key to it is that you, you have to keep your mind engaged in your reason and whatever that may be, you have to continuously feed your mind with the things that are positive, be it people, a support group. And uh, I always say that it's, it's amazing when you have people around you to listen to you, because I did have that. My husband was really supportive. He continues to be, my sisters are amazing um, and have always had my back and understood why I've made this decision because not everybody does, um, but they've been very supportive. But if you don't have that, there are so many resources. There are podcasts like yours. There are books. There are uh, online support groups. You can connect with people. I've connected with so many people who struggle the same as I do. And so um, I took all of that to uh, my blog on Instagram. And I am a blogger on that platform. Um, I share like mom life and style and fashion, mostly that's my niche, but I have been very open about my journey. And that's been, that's been a blessing. I've connected with many women in my demographic who are struggling and they've opened up to me. And so it's, that's a very empowering position to be in and that's continued. So. Oh, that's so, that's so awesome. Uh, I love all of that. I <clears throat> I wanted to kind of circle back to just points where I really relate. Uh, you know, not remembering putting the kids to bed. I mean, I I so can relate to that. And I even remember when I first stopped drinking, having a very random conversation with my husband about how the evenings no longer felt like things just very slowly closed off, and then I'd wake up the next morning. It was almost like I was fully conscious and awake. And then I would intentionally decide to go to sleep and I would intentionally lay down, intentionally turn off the light and then intentionally drift off. And it was such a different experience because literally for years, I just, you know, be drinking, everything would be sort of like fuzzy, 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 fuzzy. And then I'd wake up the next morning and, you know, sometimes there would still be a glass of wine by the side of my bed, maybe half full, maybe empty. Sometimes the light would still be on if Brian wasn't there to turn it off for me. Like it was just, there was no consciousness in falling asleep. And, and I remember too, when I first started meditating, realizing that that kind of bliss zone that people meditate for is the exact same as when you're falling asleep and your mind is kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, going a little loopy. And I'd been robbing myself of that for so many years with alcohol, which is just so interesting. Absolutely. My, I think that's one of the biggest benefits is restful sleep. For years, I did not have restful sleep. And e because even when you, even on an evening that you didn't drink, but if you did two days before, it's still in your system. And so you're never really quite past that. I never got to the point of ridding it out of my system to truly have the benefits of not having it. Um, 
so restful sleep. And I have, I never considered myself to be somebody who would enjoy working out. Um, I certainly don't consider myself an athlete, but I am on my Peloton bike every day. I'm in a great routine and I'm reaping the benefits and seeing really, I'm seeing the results of working out. And that's amazing because I think part of it too, is that you get to a point where you can feel things and you can pinpoint why you feel things. So right now I'm getting over COVID, unfortunately, but I know my symptoms and I know what, what they're related to, if that makes sense, because when alcohol was in my life, it was all a blur of if I was starting to get sick or if it was just the remnants yeah. of the hangover. And I love being able to understand my body on a different level. Oh, I love that so much. The other thing I really related to in your story is that moment of saying, yeah, I'm going to be the designated driver and then somehow finagling away to be the one to keep drinking. And I remember doing it in all sorts of different ways, like accidentally having too much and then just being like, sorry, I don't know, I guess it's just not safe for me anymore. Or, you know, like you said, getting really grumpy about it and all mad. And then, you know, everybody just felt bad for you. But yeah, the nights that, and, and my husband will always reflect on it. He's like, you never follow through with that. Like the nights that you follow through, I could count on one hand. Right. And it's just so interesting. Yeah. Well, and that another thing that I've kind of realized is that alcohol really um, made me a manipulative person. And so I purposefully was doing those things and uh, I wasn't dependable. And that all led to me and contributed to me feeling like I wasn't a very good person. So that had an impact on the way that I viewed myself. Um, it culminates. It over time, it all builds up and it, it really makes you see yourself in a way that isn't desirable. So. Yeah. So true. Oh, wow. This has been so great. So let me ask you the question that I sort of ask at the end of these things. If you were going to go back to pile of, of when, you know, really starting to question things and feeling uh, afraid, really, even, I mean, I love that moment of when your friend said that about your kids. And I have some stories that I've shared on other episodes about how really I was not able to show up for my kids and thank goodness my husband was there and was able to, but how terrifying that entire thing is. But if you were going to go back to her and talk to her about what life is like now, what would you say? I would say that there's freedom. Mm. Uh, that that's what I feel. I feel out from under something that was so heavy. Um, I would say that there is a life waiting for you and you're good enough and worthy enough for it. Um, and alcohol is not going to have a hold on you the way that you think it will. I love that. I love that so much. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has just been great. And uh, you share your story so well. And I know that it's going to just resonate with so many people. I hope so. Hey, it's Annie Grace. I want to tell you about the most important book that I never wrote. And I mean that. This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol. And it's so inspiring. 
It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online. Even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.